0: In today's episode, we come together to take an honest look at the current state of the workplace in a somewhat post-pandemic world. With job resignations at an all-time high, we wanted to break it down and share our different perspectives on what we think is really going on and how businesses and business leaders should be adapting. Mohammed also gets pretty worked up, so definitely check it out. I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to Love is a Business Strategy, a podcast that brings humanity to the workplace. As always, we're here to talk about business, but we want to tackle topics that most business leaders shy away from. We believe that humanity and love should be at the center of every successful business. I'm your host, Jeff Ma. I'm a director at Softway, a business-to-employee solutions company that creates products and offers services that help build resilience and high-performance company cultures. I'm joined today by Mohammed Anwar, CEO and president of Softway. Hello, Mo. Hey, Jeff. Chris Petrie, vice president. Hello, Chris. Hi. And Frank Dana, director. Hey, Frank, what's up?
1: Jeff, what's going on, my man? Hey, good to see you.
0: (laughs) Frank's in a mood. (laughs) So we're going to talk about remote work today, but I want to start in a different way. I want to talk, uh, Mo, actually, Last week or earlier this week, I don't. Time is weird now, but earlier, you said something that really piqued my interest. We're in the middle of 2021 now, and you you used a term I hadn't heard before. You said we're currently experiencing the Great Resignation. Can you tell me again and tell us all what is the Great Resignation? What's going on right now from your perspective?
2: Sure. So. I mean, this is what I've been reading up on on the news and I'm sure people have come across this term called the great resignation. So they're calling 2021 a period of the great resignation um, because there are a lot of people who are currently quitting their jobs to look for other alternate um, opportunities. And there are quite a few reasons that I think are attributed to why this is happening, but the pandemic is one of the major reasons why this is, uh, come down to the great resignation in 2021 because people through the pandemic were uh, put into situations where they had to work from home or have a change in their work uh, continuity where some people were laid off, load and there was a lot of disruption to the business place as a result of COVID crisis. And it created a lot of uncertainty in the marketplace, but also for employment. And as a result, now that we're coming off of the heels of a pandemic, and most likely in the post-pandemic, and the economy is recovering and opening back up, um, many, you know, the workforce, uh, the employees uh, have recognized that through this last year and a half, that they now have the opportunity to work in a different reality that was not available to them pre-COVID. So there are a lot of uh, employees who liked working remotely and want to continue working remotely and don't want to go back to the office. Some of them uh, did not like working remote and because businesses have now become remote, they don't want to continue working because they want to go back to the office. Um, some employees um, have had the opportunity to spend a lot more time with their family in the lockdown period and recognize that that's far more valuable for them. So they want to change in their workplace that gives them more of that freedom and opportunity to be with their family. Some of them had the opportunity to travel and move to different parts of the country as a result of the pandemic. And they now want to pursue jobs as a result of that move or want the opportunity to move. So a lot of these things have culminated to what we call now the great resignation, where there is data by the Boston Consulting Group, where they are predicting 25 to 40% of the workforce is going to Uh, resign and or take other jobs. That's huge. That's a big, 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 that's a lot. That's like your workforce. Even 25, even if you go with the lower end of 25%, that's 25% of the workforce population is going to quit this year for other opportunities. In 2021. In in 2021. 2021, They are saying we're we're entering the period of great resignation. We haven't passed through it. We're in Mm -hmm. it. And so this is a lot for to consider in terms of business and the the dynamics of workplace the corporate environments are now uh facing the um you know unprecedented crisis of resignations that we're going to face as an industry right yeah. um and as a workforce so that that's what the great resignation is and that's what they're referring to it it's uh it's kind of trying to play on the analogy of the great recession they call this yeah. the great resignation
1: yeah, it's it's interesting. I just saw this um, this survey that came out from digital.com. They surveyed 1,500 small business owners. And what they found was that 39% said of these small business owners said that they would fire workers who refuse to return to the office full-time. So what it feels like to me is that there's also a heavy disconnect between what an employee is, has experienced and what an employer thinks is the right way forward. Right. I mean, 30, 39% of them said, well, either you resign or you're fired, but the way it used to be is the way it has to be. What do you think that's going to do in terms of where people are going? I mean, and what's, what is the, what is the, the next phase of this end up looking like when so many employers are are unflexible at this point in time
3: i think they'll be losing out on talent is what it looks like they'll have a limited talent pool to select from especially if they go through a great firing um when it comes to um enforcing those sort of arcane policies you know i think it's to me it's it's definitely something where COVID-19 or the pandemic has left a irreversible mark on the way we work. Um, I don't think that there is a return to what normal used to be. I think it's defining a new normal. And I think the employers and the leaders that are already acknowledging and accepting that and are actually updating and changing mindsets, behaviors, and attitudes around sort of a new normal are the ones that will likely win out in the end. Um, And I think you know, you'd be surprised. But I think some employees want to have some ability to go to an office. I just don't think they want it to be a full time requirement to be there. I think, you know, we are now realizing one that life is short, two, family is everything. Three, the lives that we built during the pandemic, we we have grown accustomed to. Um some people have gotten new pets. Hey. <laughs> um <laughs> right. And <laughs> that's
1: true. That's true. And, Half of the people on this podcast have gotten new pets. Yeah.
3: And so you don't they're Lifestyle changes have happened that can't just return back to the way they were before the pandemic. And to me, employers and leaders that are embracing that and then creating and establishing policies and processes and procedures and systems that will support that are likely going to see a lot more access to greater talent. Um, and talent that could be willing to take, you know, pay cuts even to be at a company that will support their lifestyle that they are looking for. And we're seeing that over and over again. Um, I think I read an article yesterday, a small town in, town in Idaho <laughs> um, is experiencing a housing shortage because everybody moved there. And even <laughs> local. Like, there you go. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Like it's uh, it's like nestled in between mountains and a lake. Um, and... The housing market boom so fast that, you know, all of the sort of the bars and the restaurants and the businesses around that community can't actually get their employees housing. Because it is that sort of short on on it. And mm. so when you have these types of situations happening across the country where, you know, small town America and country rural, you know, places are becoming more accessible, if not um, populous, um, it, it, sh- it allows for that flexibility to be able to um, live your life, do your work and and sort of have that integration where you're not trying to sort of carve out or compartmentalize everything into these neat spaces
2: anymore. Yeah, I think I think something that I'd like to believe is that people wanted this even before COVID. It's not that people all of a sudden realize that this is what they want in the COVID times. People even pre-covid desired this type of a lifestyle desired these opportunities but they were handcuffed to the way corporate america worked and and i think all covid did was show them that it's possible and accelerated what was bound to happen
1: the inevitable uh, yeah. there
2: was yes the inevitable i think it was there was a revolution that was knocking on our door even pre-covid people wanted a change at the workplace. They wanted to feel valued, respected, treated with dignity, um, and and all of the above, even pre-COVID. And all COVID did was just accelerate the timeline for that revolution. So a lot of the organizations who and their leadership that are struggling today are going to be those that have not faced this reckoning that the revolution has arrived. People I, are yeah. now... They have the power to say no to the corporate world and say, no, I'm going to move. I am leaving. I cannot tolerate this anymore. And we can sit as leaders of corporate America and blame COVID, but really the truth is you got to blame yourself because even before COVID, this is how people felt. This is what people wanted. COVID just exposed the possibility, but you were always in the path of uh, this uh, revolution that was going to come. So that's that's my thought process and opinion on this. People desired this well before COVID. And so many organizations today that are resisting this are seeing unintended consequences. I also know of organizations which are publicly traded that did layoffs and did layoffs and disguise them as performance terminations, did not want to call it layoffs. But you know all of the high performers that observed that and went through COVID are like, you, you gotta be kidding me, you weren't honest? You didn't tell the truth that you're going through layoffs and you disguised layoffs as performance terminations? Well, guess what? See you later. And they're all quitting. All the high performers are quitting. So corporations are now struggling with, okay, we made this business rational decision to terminate employment, didn't call it as layoffs because our share values would go down. So we disguised it as performance terminations, but now the high performers are all quitting and resigning. So they're in this pickle right now. They're like, holy crap, now we're short of staff and let alone short of the high performer staff. And that's the unintended consequences of operating, you know, on this fear-based culture environment and operating from a place of business rationality and not taking consideration of the human conditions that exist around us is now it's going to, it's going to catch up. It's coming. It's already here. And so unless corporations are going to find a way to really understand how humanizing their workplaces is so important and that, you know, they're going to jeopardize their profits, which is what they were all set up for. Um, this is, this is, this is a time of reckoning and I think it's happening It we're witnessing it in our lifetime. And, uh, there's a lot to be done, uh, in the corporate workplace. There's a lot of work that has to be done to bring back humanity to the workplace. Yeah, I think, um, Last
0: year we had like the giant bomb dropped on the world of of covid nineteen. and and now that you know it's not over, but as we deal with kind of the 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 aftermath, the aftershocks of the bomb kind of are 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 having their effects now, right? And so here we are in a world where, Companies have more options. We organizations have opportunities to make some decisions, bring people back to the office, change policies, change things like that. They've had time to adjust and people have had time to to learn and change what they understand, what they feel. So I think just it's just it's just a very critical time, like you said, Mohammed. Like it's it's a time for if you're an organization and you know, there are a whole set that we just talked about that need to see the light and see that this, this is important. I think it's also interesting that there's probably a group a, a, a group of organizations and leaders that really want to do the right thing in this time, but are unsure of what the right thing might be um, when it comes to making sure they have a culture, maintaining their 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 team morale and kind of doing the right thing by people but also for their business. like Chris mentioned before, like how much, do you do you bring people back to the office? Do you let everyone be remote? Is it a hybrid? And all those things—not to dig into those details—but what 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 would be kind of our approach towards what what is the future might what might the future look like in this from this point?
3: So I think. I and mean, oh, Okay. Oh, go ahead, Frank. No, no, you're good. You're I was going to say, and and um. And having conversations with um, other companies and executives and leaders that are going through this same conversation internally. um, I think many people are really looking for that hybrid approach where, you know, there is a requirement or expectation to be in the office at some point. Um, Now, that might look different depending on the role, the team, the work that you are doing. Um, But I think that what a lot of um, leaders are learning in their language around sort of this approach is that they're calling it the return to the office. Instead of you know an updated telecommuting policy, right? Like the language can send people into a tizzy, as we all we all know clearly software, um, because we're change management people, right? So the way you word things does give matters. a different yeah. feeling. Yeah, it matters. And so, you know, everyone using the, the language around return to the office and return to work and these returns, it's, it's giving people the, the a little bit making them squeamish because that's not what they want. That's not what the new normal is. It's not a return to anything. We're establishing something new or we're continuing what we've already been doing. And so, you know, those, that's one thing that I would encourage listeners who are, probably talking about this within their own offices is how do you language this, you know, initiative um and not use things that could be triggering or that could make people feel like you're going to force them back into what was old because that is again what leads to the resignations because in many cultures, again, you don't speak up, right? Cool. People are quiet, especially if they feel like they're further away from power-making uh, roles or, or leaders, and so they will make sort of their own stories and their own beliefs and act on those. Um, and if you are if you are thinking about change management, you know, really considering how you name things and how you language your
2: communication around expectations is going to be critical. But can I challenge you there a little bit, Chris? Because I huh? feel like I feel like change management, all it does is disguise the true intent of the leaders and their mindsets. they so, done the wrong way. Yeah, <laughs> I was about to yeah, say, they've like, done but, the wrong way. But I'm but saying we'll is say like, it. if they're calling it a return to the office, it reflects a lot on how they're thinking. That's so they can, they can turn around and not call it the return to the office, but it is what they're thinking it is because they yeah. don't trust their employees to work in a remote environment. So they're calling it a return to the office. And they also make it look like In their minds, we haven't been working in a remote environment. So return to work is like, now you're finally getting to work. You're on a vacation during the pandemic. That's what (laughs) they're they're really saying (laughs) in their message. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and, and all so, of that, how have you grown? How have you grown during your time at home? And all of that is true. What? And I'm talking about
3: the companies that are looking for a hybrid or truly trying to, you know, create a new normal. New you normal, have to be yeah. careful about creating that language that could send that message, even though that might not be in your heart or in your mind when you're creating those flexible policies going right. forward. Um, but yes, the companies that are saying are demanding for five mm-hmm. days in the office, forty hours a week, like that really is a return to work, and that <laughs> is something that is. You
2: know, yeah, and- I, but but I think to answer like Jeff's original question, I'd say so. What are we looking hmm. at? Like, we need to make sure these leaders have a freaking moment of really realization <laughs> that <laughs> we've just gone through a freaking global pandemic. Practice some empathy. Just Try to understand that just because yes. just because you like to work in the office doesn't mean you gotta force everyone to the office. Like, we need to freaking bring that realization to them because this I, is the so- problem. Change yes. management cannot fix poor leadership. Okay? It can most, only worked up. it can only try out. to suppress what is really the root cause and try to treat the symptoms a little bit and disguise mm. what's really going on. But to be honest, Jeff, it's time leaders start to bring about self-awareness and recognize times have changed the way you got to your leadership positions isn't gonna work anymore. Not everybody's gonna like jump and do whatever you want them to do because that's what you think should be done. You gotta consider others. You gotta for one moment, stop thinking about yourself and the money you gotta make and start thinking about the people because they're ultimately the ones who are gonna drive your business. And that moment has to come now. If they're still not, if they're still in denial, even with the great resignation, then I can only predict those companies will either get rid of that leadership pretty soon, or that company will not survive.
1: I what that's honestly, I was going to talk about the platinum rule over here. Like leaders need to start listening. Like we need to start listening and 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 hearing what other people are experiencing, and create an environment that is inclusive of where we are today, not trying to fit what we know now back into what had been done previously, because ultimately people are just going to leave. Like, And we've seen that. Folks are willing to leave to forego huge career opportunities in these companies as a result of saying, that doesn't fit in my lifestyle. That doesn't work for me. So instead of assuming that you know what's best for others, the golden rule, right? Treat others the way you want to be treated. We need to use the platinum rule. And the platinum rule is treat others the way they want to be treated, which means understanding what people have gone through and are going through and create something that is inclusive, create something that allows for people to flourish instead of trying to force them back into a box. The box is open. It can never be closed again. Like Pandora's box is open in this situation. The way work has been changed has never will never be put back in the tidy little box of having to commute for two hours every single day having to make sure that you live in the same place that your office is in, like, that is changing. And the sooner that people realize that and get a little creative, the better it will be for everyone.
2: Yeah, and and I
1: also think like, solution isn't just
2: policies and changing policies. The first solution is like, we gotta change the mindsets so of our leadership, change the culture, and policies will reflect that culture and mindsets. But also the other thing is like, we. I have spoken personally to some leaders Um, who have clearly told me they're having resignation issues, not because of their culture and their environment, but because of the unemployment benefits, but because people are getting paid more through unemployment benefits. I'm like, are you kidding me? Then you should be asking yourself about your compensatory policies. And I'm not trying to make this a political debate. I'm not trying to make this a political debate, but if you are still in denial and you're blaming everything else around you for why people are quitting, Then you need to start picking up a mirror, looking at yourself, looking inward and trying to understand what have you done to contribute to this? And yes, I understand attrition is natural and there are certain life situations that warrant it. But if you're seeing a high number of attrition and lots of resignations, then yeah, it could be because of how you are leading the company. You're going to have to face that. Now or never, because you're going to be not have the option to do it if you don't do it soon enough. Mm
3: -hmm. And I mean, there are situations where like having been around leaders and in various organizations where sometimes a high degree of resignations that are not regrettable attrition can be a good thing because you can start getting new blood in right so it doesn't have to be all bad but it's if it's only your high performers that are quitting that's when it's a problem because that is regrettable attrition and that is something that should be completely on the radar of leaders and that's something that you should take very clear stock of internally you the rest of your leadership etc but yeah, yeah so i think i think the there's there's a pro and a con, right? Like, you know, resignations can also mean new blood coming in, especially if it's not that regrettable attrition of your high performers. Um, but also, if you have taken stock and you are aware of, one, the current cultural issues and the journey that your culture is taking to improve those issues. Um, you might see that resignation as a result of positive change and some of those folks are, don't, are no longer a, a value add to the organization. Um, but that said, that's not majority of the cases. So <laughs> please don't take what I'm saying as you know the counter. Yeah. This is just the exception that could be true for some companies that are listening or some leaders who are listening. Um, but this is not an excuse to say like, oh, I think I'm keeping the people that I like.
2: It's yeah. not about who you like, it's about who's performing. I'd say your culture is the foundation to what yeah. you're saying. If your culture yeah. is good or you're on the path of building a culture to adapt to this environment, and yeah. that's when you're getting new blood and you're maintaining your high performers, then I can see that 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 could actually work in your advantage. But. Mm-hmm. If you're not recognizing where your culture is and just blaming all of that, yeah. then yes, yeah. it's a problem.
0: Well, it's also a factor of like you you have organizations who are trying to cling on to what they know in the past and they're getting yeah. attrition because their culture sucks. And then you have then you have companies who are going through uh, intentional transformation, right? Dig- digital transformation, agile transformations, cultural transformations. That inherently are meant to adapt to the new environment and make them stronger and better, and that type of attrition is expected. That's that's the difference. Is that when you when you transform your entire culture and your your for the better, for the most part, hopefully, um, not everyone's going to come along with that, right? Statistically shown, uh, some, you know, even agile transformation, you're going to lose a third of your people just from that change. So that that's the difference uh, between those two types of tra- not all attrition is created equal for sure. So um, I wanted to quickly talk about, uh, bring the conversation over to culture itself. So culture within working remote has changed quite a bit over the last year. We've had a lot of learnings, seeing if any of you had any um, insights or stories to share around um, our experiences, around what it's like building culture, uh, creating and maintaining culture in this now remote environment. What are the challenges and and what what are the victories?
1: Well, I think now it's a little bit harder to interact with people that you'd normally bump into in the hallways, right? And we're talking about how our US team would have typically worked because we do have a team in India and a team in the US. So technically we've been working remotely with team members for years, for since the beginning of software. But when it comes to people walking through a hallway and bumping into each other, that collaboration that happens naturally isn't a reality anymore, which means that we have to be a lot more intentional with building and maintaining relationships, and I know that's one of the one of the elements that we've been able to to kind of do as a team and as a company is more frequent check-ins as an organization, and creating an environment for people to come together to ask questions, to link up, and we've done a few things from a cultural perspective, uh, like mystery coffee dates, where we'd have different opportunities for folks to get together that typically don't interact and spend time with each other. But that's all that to say is it takes more time and effort to put the intentionality behind getting to know people and continuing to build relationships. I'd, I'd, I'd like to say that
2: I think if people, uh, organizations have thought that, oh, we can work in this remote environment with the culture we had, it, it's short lived because I'll tell you why. We were all forced to go remote. We already had our personal relationships. So we were able to sustain our our love for one another, our relationship, and maintain that culture for as long as we have. But think about organizations that are now going through turnover and you're going to bring in new people. You're going to onboard new employees and new members of your team who don't have that personal relationship and the history of working in person and bumping into each other. Is cult- are they going to fit in? Are they going to be able to add on? Are they going to feel what you know people who were there in the legacy work environment feel, even in the remote environment? I predict not. I think that organizations have to really start thinking about how culture needs to pivot and change for this remote environment. You can live off the legacy of your culture as long as those people are still with you in the remote environment. But once they move on and you get new people, thats not going to work. My relationship with Frank, Jeff, Chris was built through lots of traveling together, interactions together, in-person meetings together to where we can meet remotely and still maintain that relationship and communicate openly. You bring any new person to this equation who has never met us in person, it's going to change the dynamic of this whole group. So I think that Organizations have to start thinking about culture change and culture transformation for the new normal. And if companies think they have great culture and have had great culture pre-COVID, I'm going to ask you to think again because I don't think you can hang on to the threads of your legacy culture because the environments have changed. the, uh, The way we operate has changed and the culture needs to adapt and upgrade itself according to the new environment. And so there's two ways to looking at it. How do you sustain the culture you have? And then how do you build a new culture for the new work environment? And so I think there's a big, big uh, challenge that's going to come by way of this new new work normal, where organizations are going to have to think strategically about their culture. And I think those organizations that will naturally succeed are those where leadership are more self-aware, are more empathetic are are able to prioritize their people before themselves and their you know sh- business rational things, uh, those organizations are going to get it right. And those organizations who still prioritize profits over people are probably going to struggle in this new normal. So culture is going to become a competitive advantage for even recruiting the new talent because now the talent knows they have options, they have alternates, and they're willing to take the risk to move on. So now you're gonna have to work harder to be able to define your culture and make that your competitive advantage to recruit the talent that you need for your business. And many a times the leaders, unfortunately, do not understand the correlation between culture and business outcomes. And those leaders will probably learn it the hard way. Um, So yeah, that's what I'm predicting in this remote work environment, it's a need for culture change. Even legacy cultures are gonna have to change and organizations are gonna have to prepare for new joinees and new employees and new talent and even how to attract them by your culture because perks and benefits, nobody's gonna have a ping pong table in a remote work environment, guys. That ain't gonna work anymore. You uh, can't yeah. offer, yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, maybe virtually. Vir- virtual reality is coming, you know. But if that's what you think is gonna make your uh, culture work in a remote work environment, that's really not gonna work or cut it. You can't attract people that way anymore. So, it's 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 something. It's a challenge, and you know, it's we're at the work. forefront of trying. Yeah, we're at the forefront yep. of trying to figure it out for ourselves, but also for our yep. customers. Um. So I think I think it's gonna be interesting what comes out of all of this. Great insight. So I'm. I think that the other thing, in addition to like once you have that cultural foundation
3: inside of a remote model, I think what being hybrid or fully remote gives you the benefit of doing is doing the creative things. I know on the last podcast or previous podcast, we sort of talked about destination travel, like for a full team to come together in a unique way and do things. So you still can get that in-person experience, but you can make it a travel experience on top of it. So you're experiencing a new city altogether, right? You're, you're doing something different than just going to the office and meeting, um, especially for those critical, like, you know, for a sprint planning or if you're doing some major planning sessions as a team, um, it opens up that, the budget to do it, but also just the uniqueness because now it does become a really cool perk for those who are looking for sort of a a mini vacay while they work type thing, you know, but it's not a constant going into the office every single day. So I think that there's also that creativity that you can bring in and those opportunities that are not there if you're committed to a uh, five day a week, you know, office environment. Yep, very great insights. Yeah, so lots more to discuss
0: on this, but we will continue that another time. You know, remote work is the new normal, as we said. For one way or another, it's not going back anytime soon. So we got a lot to figure out at Softway and out in the world, and hopefully we'll figure that out together. Really glad to be able to do it with you guys Um, here at Love as a Business Strategy. The podcast we're posting new episodes every Wednesday, and if you want to hear more about our story and our mission to bring humanity back to the workplace, the four of us here actually wrote a book. It's called Love as a Business Strategy, and it's a Wall Street Journal, USA Today, USA Today, and Amazon bestseller. So check it out. You can visit loveasabusinessstrategy.com for more information. And if you like what you heard today, please do check us, uh, give us a review, um, subscribe, five star reviews, all that good stuff, and tell a friend. So, with that, thank you, Chris. Thank you, Frank. Thank you, Muhammad, for the chat. And we will see everybody next week.